Oh, hang on. Yeah, what are we calling this podcast? <laughs> Was it over underrated? Over underrated. Sous évalué. Urvachets. Over underrated. It's a feel good thing. It's an S Club thing. But what does it mean? Who knows? Welcome to the latest episode of Over Underrated with Fran and Babs. We are talking mixed gender pop groups today, snappy snappy title, with an expert in the field, Sophie Davies, who hosts the It's an S-Pod Thing podcast. So Sophie analyzes the S Club 7 TV shows in great, great detail on her podcast, so we could think of no one better to talk about whether S Club 7 are overrated. And when we asked her what were some of her favorite pop bands, she has put forward Liberty X as underrated. So we go through quite a journey of our favorite 90s and noughties pop stars, or not, depending on your opinion. I'm backstage here with S Club 7, learning the tunes. Tina's teaching me some choreography. I have to go now, but uh, I'll be back in the middle to see if you agree or not with our analysis. So welcome to another episode of Over Underrated with Fran and Babs. How are we doing today, Fran? We are doing fine. We are still locked down. Um, I've been listening to some lovely music from my past this week. (laughs) Thank you very much. And there's a reason why I've been doing this, because we have a guest today from her own podcast, and that is Sophie. Hello, Sophie. Hello. How are you? We're all good. What's your podcast you, you, you do for us? So it's called It's an S-Pod Thing. And I'm basically revisiting every episode of S Club 7's TV show with a different guest joining me every week to kind of unpack the madness of it. Because it's a very strange show and I think it's deserving of this kind of analysis with 50-something episodes of it. And... Because of this, we have two playlists we've been given by Sophie, one underrated and one overrated. And for the overrated, we have S Club 7. Surprisingly, Surprisingly. Sophie. <laughs> so I love your podcast. I've listened to it from the beginning and subscribe. Um, so I think I... I really wanted to reach out after we did um, our boy band and girl band episodes because obviously that was very gender binary and, you know, it left room open to, to discuss more. But from listening to your podcast, I actually didn't really know what you thought of S Club 7. So I was very intrigued that you put them in the overrated. So I'm looking forward to hearing why, <laughs> why and therefore how you cope <laughs> doing your <laughs> podcast. Um, and for the underrated, uh, you've picked someone from a similar era, but a little bit different. Yeah, I think with S Club 7, they couldn't really be underrated because there was a period of about four years where they were just everywhere. You know, they did four albums, a TV show that ran for four series, other TV shows as well. Like there was one called S Club 7 Go Wild, where they were like traveling around the world learning about endangered species. Um, They did two tours, they did a film. And that was all in four years. And I think when you're a child, that feels like a long time. But looking back at it now, it's such a short period of time to do that much stuff. I think their management must have worked them like dogs. And 
you know, unsurprisingly, when they broke up, they said that they were just exhausted and wanted to have a bit of a break. Um, so I think, obviously, respect the worth ethic. <laughs> they did a lot in four years. Um, but I, I couldn't I couldn't really say that they were underrated because they were just inescapable. Um, and yeah, looking back on it now, I think a lot of the singles do still really hold up. Um, but a lot of when you listen to the albums, it's not all solid gold. Uh, and obviously revisiting the TV show as well is is quite an experience. And that's the sort of thing, really, when you when you watch something as a child or listen to something as a child, you've got certain uh, nostalgic memories with it and then when you're an adult you listen back and you think oh i used to listen to this album all the time and a lot of the album tracks are weird (laughs) this is the thing with with your playlist so i knew eight of the ten tracks and it was very difficult to be objective about them because just i hadn't heard a lot of them in years and years and it immediately brought back memories and you know I, I love it when you haven't heard a song in ages, but you still remember bits of the lyrics um, and stuff like that. So I I had a really great time listening to this playlist, but I did want, wonder how much of it was like trauma informed by doing the podcast. And you know, I know from listening to the podcast, sometimes, you know, certain songs are picked over and over again in episodes and sort of done to death. So, uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But um, so Fran, what was your relationship with S Club 7? Loved them. Um, no, do you know what? Like, I secretly loved a lot of those pop bands from the late nineties, early noughties, and I do own the best of Escop Seven. Maybe the first version of that came out maybe mid noughties. I think I bought it for fifteen pounds from MVC. Fifteen pounds! Wow. <laughs> Only music and spending all your pocket money on Escop Seven. Um, I had not listened to that greatest hits for fifteen years. So it was interesting to um, to hear this playlist, and I'm not gonna lie, I'd never heard any of these songs before. I mean, they're mainly album tracks, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I think a lot of the singles are still really good. So I, I did a bit of a deep dive, listened to the albums, and thought, Ooh, yeah, you can see why the singles were picked out because they are a lot stronger. Yeah, I mean, I quick had a, a, a refresh and. Um, out of the 15 songs on the CD, I think 11 are, are pure bangers. So I've still got it going on. I can still do a, a little great sits tour and I'd be very happy. The playlist is, uh, was kind of hard work for me. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. That is totally different to, to my experience. So yeah, I I was really fond of S Club 7. And I, I remember the smash hits that was kind of announcing them. Because I, I remember it was in a sort of... Uh, an article about lots of different bands and then in the bottom left hand corner there were these seven people with their backs turned and they're like who is this you know gonna be revealed next week so it was like the pre-campaign to to Miami 7 and I was immediately enthralled like yeah who are they I don't know like uh, I want to know now and and yeah I I I love them a lot I think I owned the first two albums and I owned the S Club Party CD single which I listened to death like Memories of my teenage years is playing. Did you guys know Hover from the, like the game that came free with Windows ninety five? Okay, good, no. good. You're not missing much. But I, I I remember playing Hover, listening to S Club Party and Viva La Fiesta on repeat, and uh, yeah, those were those were the good days. Um, from the song titles, I was like, oh, like I I don't think I know that many of these. And then literally, I put the playlist on. I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, like like I said, eight out of the ten songs. Um, 
I knew quite well. So thank you, Sophie. I had a great time. I didn't think it was hard work at all. <laughs> and um, yeah, I see what you mean about them maybe not being underrated because they were everywhere. Uh, but I, I've come into this thinking, no, they they had their rightful place. They they were everywhere, but I, I feel like they had um, they were successful. But it, they, I mean, yeah, maybe because we were different ages, they didn't seem to be completely everywhere all the time. There were other bands, but yeah, I'm I'm ready to have my mind changed uh, when discussing this playlist. Yeah, I think they're maybe just they're rated. They're sort of in the middle, <laughs> but when pushed between overrated and underrated, I. I didn't think I could really say S Club 7 was sort of an underrated gem that only I know about. So, but, but yeah, I mean, the, also in terms of putting together the playlist, for some reason their fourth album isn't on Spotify. Right, uh, I was going to ask about that. This is the one called Seeing Double, which is the album they did post Paul leaving. Um, so I checked as well in case it was there under S Club, like as a different name, but it's just not on there for some reason. So that hasn't been taken into account on the playlist, obviously. I was going to ask if you were like a Paul mega fan and you were like, well, if it doesn't have Paul, <laughs> I'm not including it on the playlist. <laughs> One of the hardest things I found doing this is to work out who's singing the vocals, because obviously there's f four girls. And I know Joe's the main singer, but when it's not Joe, I have no idea who is singing. Um, so I think as long as Joe's in the, in the, in a version of a band of S club, you're going to be okay. Once they lose Joe, if it was John, Hannah and Tina, it'd be a very, very different world <laughs> seeing that. So I think they're okay. Once they've got Joe and Bradley doing rapping, I think yeah. they're, they're going to be okay, but I wouldn't like, you know, go out of my way to check out the S club freeze at some, uh, pub. Somewhere. Yeah, with S Club 3, the lineup always seems to be changing as well. Like, sometimes you might get Joe, sometimes you might not. Like, you just don't know who's going to turn up, it seems. I think it's often Bradley and Tina, and then sometimes Joe, sometimes one of the others. Who knows? Bradley seems always keen to be doing anything. <laughs> yeah, bless him. <laughs> I like Bradley. Actually, I, I have to say, like, you know, listening with a kind of critical ear, I appreciated Bradley way more you know listening to this playlist than i think i ever have before like he can sing and he can rap i was i i i think like fran i'd i always thought joe was the best singer and she you know she is she's the strongest presence but you know, there's a few songs where they're kind of playing off against each other and, and yeah i i thought it worked but yeah let, let's get into it so sophie what's the the first song on your overrated s club playlist overrated So the first one is Gonna Change the World. And when I was thinking about the worst S Club songs, this was the first one that immediately came to my mind because, well, it's from the first album, but I particularly remember it from the TV show because it's in the series one finale. And when I was watching it about a year ago, I was like, what is this? <laughs> it's mostly sung by John and Bradley. And it's just very cheesy and sincere, but also really kind of vague. Like there's a bit, well, it starts off with Bradley going, um, like speaking, like going, I want to change the world, but I know I have to start with me. And immediately you're like, oh no, here we go. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's just really kind of vague. There's one line that's like, looking down, there is brother facing brother, dying one by one. 
but from the ground you can look up at the stars and see the words I love you painted high above you (laughs) and just very kind of vague a very kind of like can't we all just get along guys there's another lyric that's like when the other guy is bigger than the sky just before he's gonna hit you you can always try a smile and which is just sort of like come on guys violence isn't the answer it's just very cheesy and i associate it with that bit in the tv show where they're kind of singing in a car looking right down the lens they're passing people who are just smiling at them in a really cheesy way it's it's an interesting song and yeah i put it at the beginning because i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna put the worst one in first and test them yeah, I, I thought this was a very standard cynical ballad. Um, I absolutely hated the bells and the chorus. Mm. I, that for some reason really annoyed me. And I'm glad you did the deep dive on the lyrics because I didn't. And I'm <laughs> glad I didn't. I like the idea of it being a song with just the male members leading and harmonizing. And actually when they harmonize, I quite like it, like the those vocal lines, but I didn't like anything else about it. What about you, Fran? I'm lucky to have seen John live as a Jersey boy. Oh. And I had no idea until halfway through when it kept thinking, is that? It actually is him. And the first thing he said was an F bomb. And I was shocked. Mm-hmm. But an F come seven guy was allowed to swear. It's not going to change the world. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's harsh to blame S Club on this song because it's not written by anyone from S Club. It's written by Simon Franklin and Angela Lupino, who, who only wrote this song for the album. So I've no idea how much has been paid. I don't know how it works. But I mean, I assume they pay a lot of money for the singles and then they sort of like move down the pecking order until they sort of like sell this like 10 quid or something. Because yeah, this is not a hottie. It's got a very 90s sort of like smooth R&B pop sort of sound that still seem to have. But um, yeah, it's it's pretty rubbish, isn't it? Good that we're all agreed on the, on the first song then. So yeah, so what's your next pick, Sophie? The next one is everybody. Well, it's called Everybody Wants You, but it's always Everybody Wants You, which is how they, it's always said in the song. Also from the first album, I don't mind it. It's just it's very repetitive, and it feels like it kind of just stays the same throughout and doesn't really go anywhere. With quite sort of inane lyrics, like I've written down, every time you move, everybody grooves you've just got to walk see the people talk like it's that sort of thing i think if i had to remember the lyrics for this song i would think i would struggle because it's all very kind of samey and variants later on it changes to you just got a bump see the people jump <laughs> like it's just kind of samey throughout and i think towards the end you think like oh maybe this next verse is gonna change it up a bit and it doesn't it just kind of stays all in one pace throughout really yeah I can't hate the song, unfortunately. The song is far, far too nostalgic for me. And the minute the da na 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 I was like, yeah. oh, I'm transported. <laughs> I mean, it's cheesy as hell. Uh, and it really gets stuck in your head and not in the not in a fun way. But <laughs> I, I still really like the bridge and the chorus. But again, this was one where I can't I can't remove myself from from the memories. To me, it was like a, a shit spice girls. It's like someone had heard stop. I've got that coming up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, this stop <laughs> yeah. tune. Got... But didn't, yeah, didn't S Club do like a Motown song later on? It's you, quite Motown. Yeah, one or two of the other ones are, yeah. So I think this is their starting point as they sort of, hang on, we need to, uh, to do a Motown ish one. But I think maybe the lyrics are crap because they knew that it would be 10 year olds 
Can yeah. that be why? And this is easy for them to sing. Why bump with jump? That would that'd be easy. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Oh, this crap songwriting. But yeah, um, as you may notice, guys, it's going to be a lot of me saying it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah, the next one is Friday Night. This is a Bradley song. It's not bad, but I think similar to Everybody Wants You. It's quite repetitive. There's a lot of... Uh, na 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 going on throughout the whole song we get the pre-chorus three times the chorus four times not much in between and it also also similar to the previous song it features the word groove several times which i'm not a fan of like i got my friends and we're here to groove it's like trying to sound adult but it's a bit i can't imagine bradley like enjoying singing that at the time sophie i absolutely love this song so much uh i love it i think bradley raps brilliantly yeah i think bradley's good i think he's doing his best with it, it, what he's been given <laughs> yeah definitely and i have to say even though i t- again the song came on and i was like ah, oh, but i think in a in a split second i was like this sounds way more like five or blue or or something like that rather than s club and you know you talked about the spice girls fran i think what this place this made me realize was how they chucked all the genres at s club there's like more urban more disco as you said more more motown at, which make which kind of dilutes them because then i think apart from the bigger singles like bring it all back or reach which are kind of a certain type of pop a lot of the songs on this album they're like this genre is popular now so we will do it and yeah the lyrics monday tuesday come and go wednesday thursday sometimes slow friday comes just like a dream we'll party until it's time to leave you know it's not this isn't craig david i think that like if s club party you can imagine them having some cherry aid and playing some twister this is more wkd and maybe some fingering it's a bit more dirty and look, looking at it it's actually written by a garage producer so yeah all right because obviously late 90s oh yeah garage is quite popular let's throw that in so yeah it is a bit cynical and then we're on to it's a feel good something is it or it's a feel, yeah, good, it's thing. A feel good thing feel good i think thing. it's an think thing. i prefer this one to the previous three th- three songs um because it's a bit more lively but it feels a bit weird because it's really similar to viva la fiesta which is on the same album they're both kind of salsary sort of numbers mm-hmm. so it just kind of feels like an inferior version of another song on the same album i think vivi la fiesta is you know it's still an album track but it could have easily been a single whereas this one is just kind of like oh we'll just do another similar song to viva la fiesta but not as good almost exactly my notes as well the sister song to viva la fiesta but worse which and viva la fiesta by the way was co-written by kathy dennis which i only discovered today um and what i didn't really think about until listening to this song it really sounds like spice up your life to me this is uh very similar vibes so uh but again i I cannot hate it it's a feel-good thing it's gonna Mm -hmm. thing i don't know when that's club thing is i don't know when that's club feeling is they keep talking about it but Whatever it is, I'm still on board. I got excited thinking, oh, I'm going on holiday. And then I found out the holiday is a Pontins. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what it felt like. It's like, it promised you Bahamas, you get buttons or something. It's really low rent, unfortunately. And I think they can do so much better. And they have. 
I have. Mm-hmm. But that's not yeah. what we're here to discuss today. <laughs> yeah, this is the first song they sing in the TV show. And the idea is that they're going off to Miami and it's all exciting. But they sing the song just on the plane. And they're just sort of like on a cramped plane dancing around. And it's it's just not very... It doesn't really suit the song. Like you said, it's like, we're going on holiday, but it's not particularly glamorous. Over underrated. Sous-évalué. Urvachette. Hope for the future. This is another one from the first album. Yet yeah, it just it feels quite long compared to the other songs. Quite repetitive. Halfway through, it just becomes the chorus on repeat for the rest of the song. Um, it's it's a duet between Joe and Bradley, who I really like, but I don't think either of them are at their best in this song. In the TV show, they sing it sort of on a pier with like dolphins jumping around them and it feels like that kind of smooth sort of easy listening sort of vibe just background music really yeah i put another forgettable ballad you know yeah this this is i'm not generally a fan of ballads um there are worse than this one but yeah it, it wasn't great i did some research this morning and i, I watched their first ever interview with the band and kept cutting to like parts of the TV show. And then those people in the comments are going, oh my God, I hope for the future should have been a single. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> and then I, I thought, oh, I don't remember that. Is that on the playlist? And then, yeah, it turns out. They were wrong. The comments are really far <laughs> off the mark, aren't they, guys? Uh, again, it's not very good. <laughs> I think maybe the kids were sort of taken in by the dolphins. They were just so amazed by the visuals of it. Dolphins jumping in the air. They thought the song was better than it was, possibly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, if there's a snazzy dance routine in any song, I think that can that can make it or break it as well. So mm-hmm. then we're moving on to the second album next, which is cleverly called Seven after the first album was called S Club. <laughs> uh, this is I'll Be There. And yeah, I feel a bit sorry for some members of the band because Joe usually gets to lead, as we've already said. Sometimes Rachel does, sometimes Bradley does, and the others don't really get so much. And it's an occasional album track for Tina or for Hannah or for John. And yeah, this is a Tina song, kind of like whispering throughout. It's quite odd. It's quite different from everything else. I don't hate it, but I'm not a fan. Also, the episode of the TV show it's from is like a Blair Witch Project parody and this song is completely unrelated and they just sing it in the woods while they're hiding from a potential killer. It's so I'm associating it with that as well. That's sort of making me not like the song. Um, yeah, what did you think of this one? I do love it when they completely forget who the audience of the TV show is and that none yeah. of them are 18, surely, to have seen their wits. Uh, there's a lot of that in... Uh, in, in it's like in, in Steps did a, 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 a music parody and they parodied something about Mary, the scene when she gets cum <laughs> on her hair. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> what 10-year-old can do with that? Sorry. It, it's for the parents, right? I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not for the, for the kids. But yeah, I think from, from Sophie's podcast, there's so many, like references that are so dated that obviously yeah kim fuller and associates references <laughs> yeah reservoir dogs all that sort of thing it, it think it, the tv show's mostly written by middle-aged men i think and they're just like kids won't get this but i'll put it in anyway they, they once said in the, the tv show 
that Dur- they've had more comebacks than Duran Duran. And as a Duran Duran fan, that yeah. hurt. <laughs> you know what episode that was, Sophie? I think the first one or the second one. Absolute bastards. <laughs> yeah, starting some beef with Duran Duran at the beginning of their career. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sorry to break break with tradition, but I I love this song. I've a, another one. Well, yeah, with all of them, I'd forgotten about it, but I really enjoyed rediscovering it, and I think it works because Joe is in it harmonizing. Like I I quite like the bits where where Joe comes in, but it really reminded me once again of the Spice Girls. Because um, do you guys know the song Naked where? Jerry sort of speaks singing. She knows exactly what to do. It really, I, I recommend going and, and listening to that because I'd not had that reaction before. And again, because I think when you're when you're a kid, you're not listening to it critically. You're just like, it is music. Whereas now I'm like, oh, what does this remind me of? And yeah, this was my second Spice Girls tick uh, of the of the evening. But it's yeah, I still enjoyed it. Same um, manager, isn't it? Simon Fuller was he both? Yeah, after he got fired by the Spice Girls, he started S Club 7. I didn't realise it was uh, straight after, okay. It makes sense somehow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because apparently, I mean, I don't know exactly the reasons, but apparently the the Spice Girls fired him because they thought he was sort of controlling a bit too much and they wanted to be a bit more independent. And then he set up S Club 7 and it seems like he learnt nothing. Like, it was just complete control at the end of it all, S Club 7 apparently earned hardly anything from it all because it was just all going to him. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a great Isn't guy. Isn't there to that be Claudia Winkleman interview where she tra- asked them how much yeah. money they're earning because she'd heard rumours that it wasn't very much yeah. and then like their PR person comes in and is like, right, get out. Le- yeah, we have to leave. You're not allowed to ask that. It's, uh, yeah, it's awkward, but. I read there's an in, there was an interview with Paul in the Guardian not long ago, like a few years ago, and he was talking about he seemed quite bitter about it in there. Understandably, mm. you know, it, it got brought up like, oh, you had dolls of you, and he was like, oh yeah, we got a pittance for that. Yeah, it didn't seem like a a great time considering they were such a huge band. Mm-hmm. They went into it quite naively, as you know, they were all like most of them were under twenty, yeah. and didn't get that much out of it in the end. It's a shame. Bless them. Paul's a weird a weird fellow, isn't he? Because he's quite old compared to them. <laughs> he was like nearly mid twenties when he joined, didn't he? And he he's been in like proper bands. So what is he thinking? Surely he knew he knew this might happen. Surely. Yeah, I think hence why he left because he was just sort of fed up more than the others but yeah it is strange that he agreed to it to begin with it must have been quite a a tough decision considering he wasn't really into that sort of music or anything i guess that you know if you if you're going if i wanted to be in a pop band and they're like oh by the way you know as well as recording music and going on a tour we're gonna fly you to america to film a show i mean that's attractive isn't it like i I don't know at what point like, was it from the beginning when they were auditioning for the band that they knew that it was going to involve a TV show as well or not? I don't know. But, um, you know, if you're a creative person, that is, you'd think it would be a stable, well-earning thing. But, uh, but yeah, if you've got pricks screwing you over, that's what happens, right? I think um, Joe was saying that when she was spotted, she was told it was to be a singer for a band because she had no acting parts at all. I think it's only Hannah and John who could act. This is why in the TV show, they gave them most of the harder scenes in the first series, apparently. And I mean, John is not. <laughs> really? <laughs> Hannah, Hannah, yeah, but John. Uh... It's quite like, you know, he went to Sylvia Young stage school. So it's it's that kind of, it's not necessarily TV acting. He's very kind of sincere. Um, the acting does get better from everyone as the show goes on. 
But yeah, I find it weird they didn't seem to have been auditioned on acting ability, unless the TV show wasn't a, a definite thing at that point. It did seem to be just like choosing singers and dancers. It's like the opposite of the monkeys, because they were actors first, I think, and then became singers afterwards. Mm. There you go. S Club 7, the reverse monkeys. You heard it here first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we move on to, uh, is it Bradley's track? Yeah, I think one an issue with the second album i think is that the tone feels quite inconsistent like some songs feel very childish and then other songs feel a bit sort of jarringly adult and the next two songs i think are the two extremes of that because there's best friend which is quite childish it's like a song about having a best friend (laughs) it's quite sweet but it's very kind of this is for the primary school kids and then the song after that that I've chosen is All In Love Is Fair, which is about cheating and a love triangle. And Joe, one of the lines she keeps saying is, because if you want me, get your ass on over here and show me. And I, d- I don't need to hear Joe saying ass that many times. It's, it's just odd. It feels jarring in the context of everything else. And going from best friend to all in love is fair it feels like who are you as a band what is this weird though because um i think um bradley co-wrote best friend so the fact that it's immature kind of sh- shines a light on him <laughs> so yeah so what do you which one do you prefer sophie like uh, or do you just really dislike both <laughs> i think be- best friend it just it's a bit more catchy it's got a bit more to it whereas all in love is fair it's similar to hope for the future it just feels a bit sort of meh and when they perform it in the TV show, they're just kind of swaying around on a roof. And I think I think S Club 7 are at their best when they've got a proper choreographed dance routine. They know what they're doing. It looks quite awkward when they're performing this one. Like Joe's singing and then the others are literally just sort of swaying around. And it's like they don't really know what to do. And I think that, that comes through in the song. It doesn't feel very them. It must be really hard to separate the visuals from the song for you, Sophie. Like, if there's terrible visuals, you're going to kind of maybe hate this, hate the song. Is that true? Well, I think you could say a lot of the TV show is terrible <laughs> visuals, so I wouldn't like any of the songs. Uh, but so far on the podcast, I've only watched, I've watched the first two series. So there's two more, which I did see when I was really young, but I haven't rewatched them recently. Um, so in terms of like the next album, I don't really have any visuals in my head in particular. So it's a bit more judging it blind. Are you going to, how, how are you going to cover the film? Is that an extra long podcast or? Yeah, well, that's going to be the last thing. So it or two maybe. Um, and yeah, it'll probably just be like a two or three part episode, I guess, which and I don't think I've ever seen the film either. I've seen bits of it. But I think by the time the film came out, I was a little bit old for like going to the cinema to see an S Club 7 film because I was in high school at that point. So it sounds weird. It sounds different from the TV show because it's almost like a sci-fi thing where they've got clones and it's different from the TV show for some reason. So I've got that to look forward to in a year or two. I mean, and let's do the bonus S Club Juniors one as well. Then you've got even more. Yeah, yeah. that'll come afterwards, depending on how weird that is when I watch it. But, uh, again, you know, with with these two picks, with Best Friend and All in, All in Love is Fair, I love them. I, uh, best Friend, I do like it when S Club 7 goes a bit urban. urban uh, just, though I totally agree with you that it's, 
their tone is inconsistent. Like this whole playlist is inconsistent. Um, I think it's quite catchy. And All in Love is Fair, I thought it was S Club Does All Saints and I kind of enjoyed it. And the get your ass on over here line, again, which I'd completely forgotten about until I listened to it again, it brought back, like, I was 13 when this song came out of like, oh, she's saying that. That's a little bit naughty. <laughs> like, again, the perfect age of like, you know, just on the cusp of puberty being like, oh, she's saying that. And like, oh, she means it in that way. This isn't like a, a double entendre. So yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed Bradley's rap verse in the middle of it. Although... Um, now, unfortunately, it just reminds me of, did you guys see that Josh Weller video about a rap verse in the middle of a song? No. <laughs> he's uh, he's uh, lip syncing along to Dua Lipa. And then as himself, he comes in with a rap verse and he's like, hey, I'm the rap verse in the middle of the song that makes you stop singing along. Why am I here to get the song played on Evan State? And like, that's unfortunately exactly what it reminded me of. And I'll never be able to listen to it seriously again. <laughs> But there we go. There was a time in the 90s where every pop had to have a, at least a rap on it at one point. I mean, it continues. Like, now it's even worse because, you know, if it's one song with a rap verse, fine. But now, like, so many of the big pop songs, they'll be released in several versions, including with a rap verse. And very rarely, I find, does it add to it. Sometimes it does, but most of the times it doesn't. Yeah, I watch um, Top of the Pops every Friday on BBC4, and they're currently on 1990 and yeah it is just like a rap verse on every song it feels so unnecessary they just come in and it's like what is this adding there's always rappers you never ever heard of before or again yeah. <laughs> just like disappeared <laughs> like a kind of video or something although in the band we're discussing later there's a big rapper on one of the songs <laughs> that's a big surprise <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll <laughs> i think one of the other songs actually has a random rap verse as well like can't remember which one it is now that doesn't add anything but I, I couldn't even find out who the rapper was on one of the songs so you moved to sunshine yeah let's do it yeah I, these are the two songs i didn't know at all i didn't know what to expect yeah listening to the albums this week i think this might be my favorite one uh it sounds a bit it's a bit more consistent throughout in terms of the tone and it sounds a little bit more mature like they kind of know what they are at this point and they're not just as we said before doing tons of different genres and like swapping between each song um it's a bit more sort of dancey the big single from this album was don't stop moving and yeah the the song i've put on the playlist is it's sort of that but like a bit too far i think like it sounds quite generic and you know there's that sort of robot voice going on this was one actually where i genuinely don't know who's singing it because it's an electronic sounding voice and it could be any of the girls and i i didn't look it up actually but i don't know who's singing this one it's called dance 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 yeah i put uh, sorry i hadn't heard this before but the disco continues because there's a definite sort of disco theme going on throughout what was going on with the vocoder slash auto tune i thought it was fine it was it, it just felt deriv derivative again like I, I don't think any any of the songs you put of West Club 7 I really hated. I think my, my least favourite S Club song has never had a dream come true. And actually, I I, I really don't like I mm. I really miss you. The, it's too catchy for me. I wasn't a fan, but uh, I didn't hate it. What about you, Fran? What is strange is that, like, I think Kathy Dennis wrote this song. Who wrote some of the biggest hits? Yeah, she wrote a lot of their really great songs. Like, she seems to be a common feature in all the really hit singles but then yeah i was surprised that she wrote this one to be honest i didn't expect to see her name there because she had nothing to do with don't stop moving so it's weird there's two songs on the album mm. with completely different writers and producers doing virtually the same sort of song 
But yeah, mm. Don't Stop Me Thing, apparently, is written by the entire SCOF 7 band. I didn't know oh, that. Okay. Plus two other people. <laughs> not saying who did all the work. <laughs> but, you know. How can you write with nine people? Who? What on earth are they actually doing? <laughs> this is a funny thing in the TV show because it's never really established how their songs are getting written. And it seems to be like all seven of us are sitting down in a room and coming up with a song. And none of us can play musical instruments, but we're just getting on with it. It's all very <laughs> it's weird. A vow at a time. Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, yeah, you guys have covered it. I put down. It's nice the fact the robot has a comeback, but um, who, who is this robot? And <laughs> uh, this is basically Don't Stop Part Two. But yeah, again, I, it's, once you've heard Don't Stop Moving, you never want to hear the song. Yeah, it just kind of stood out on the album as being a bit too much, <laughs> a bit too far in a different direction compared to, I think Don't Stop Moving is just about right. And it sounds like they've kind of found their slightly more mature sound. And then Dance, 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 it just feels kind of like they've They've gone a bit too far. I'm surprised that Don't Stop Moving was a third album. To me, they all seem to have come out in the same year. Uh, yeah, I was really surprised just now when you said, oh, it's the album that Don't Stop Moving comes from, which actually does make sense because it, it does come out later. And I think, is it, does Hannah have short hair? I feel like when that happened, that was yeah. a thing, um, at least for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think that must be the only one I know. What, what were the other big singles from the album? Or oh, singles. I think Sunshine was that single? You? Oh, you, okay. Yeah, you, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it, actually. Because, yeah, I read somewhere that they, they did Don't Stop Moving and then they didn't want to release you as the next single because they thought it was a bit of a step backwards and more like the old them. But someone made them release it. <laughs> but because that's a bit more sort of Motowny style. Mm-hmm. I also read, guys, that sadly, Tina was going to have her first um, lead vocal single, The Stronger, featuring Lee Ryan from Blue, and they canned it last minute. Oh, I didn't know Tina this. never got her moment to shine with oh, Lee Ryan. Oh, I quite like Stronger on the album. I was uh, Tina always used to be my favourite when I was younger. I think based on the fact that she was like she was the dancer of the group, and I used to dance. So that was basically it. That was the connection. But I, I remember feeling pleased when she got Stronger on the album because that was quite good. What is the best S Club Seven to da- song to dance to? S Club Party, all the way. <sighs> What the jump and the probably yeah because do you know what I didn't mention this but in the in the CD single that I have of S Club Party it includes the CD ROM enhanced uh, you know behind the scenes of the making of that video where you see them all on trampolines jumping up to try and make the S yeah in the video I've watched that on YouTube yeah and they're all laughing at Joe because she can't do it for some <laughs> yeah. reason she can't she can't jump and draw an and S in I think in the video the she's quite time. low like you you don't see her as clearly as everyone else. <laughs> Yeah, I think Joe's less of a dancer than the other girls, so she suits having the lead vocal a lot of the time. How do you think I felt when you tried jumping in the air to do an F? Literally never gonna happen, is it? Uh, but yeah, Tina, uh, I, I feel I feel mixed feelings about Tina because a boy at my school told me that I I looked like Tina Barrett, which is a compliment because she's the second best looking one after Rachel, and I was like, is it really a compliment? And also, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I can only dream. Then we're, we're ending with, I mean, as soon as I heard this, this track, sorry, so if you, you start, but you know when you hear a song and you think, oh, that's, that sounds like something. Yeah, this last one annoyed me for like two hours until I worked out what it was. Yeah, it's, yeah, summertime feeling. It samples Fleetwood Macs everywhere. So when it started, I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then for a few seconds, and then they immediately go, uh, 
got me dreaming s club feeling and i was like oh i'm out <laughs> i'm not in for this and it's just kind of it's it's quite kind of chilled it's not bad but the lyrics are quite sort of let's put in as many summer references as possible the worst one i think is you're my ice cream dream when we're fooling around <laughs> just put, put the word ice cream in there it'll fit um yeah it's, it's not bad but yeah compared to the rest of the album it feels a bit off to me i really enjoyed the fleetwood mac sample um i i hadn't heard this song before but i i did get it because yeah that album um tango in the night was very much played in my house again i got five well i got five got the feeling vibes from the song and and then you know it's not got the feeling it's not summertime feeling but it's an s club feeling and also that made me be like for fuck's sake like does everything have to be an s club something like it's a feel-good thing it's an s club thing it's an s club feeling like stop stop trying to make this happen because i don't believe you anymore you know three albums yeah, and they're in. on their third album as well yeah. it feels like a bit of a regression we know who you are by now exactly. it doesn't have to be in every song and and yeah i i i wrote this was a really nice one to finish on because i wrote that it made me realize that s club sound didn't involve that much like i almost every single song that you've put on here is a different genre and the ones that i know that aren't on here are also different genres and yeah i think a maybe with their big hits they have they have like a, a recognizable pop sound but with this one i was just like no they're copying they're copying what's come before and they're not adding anything else and i think if you're gonna sample fleet and mac embrace it like they, it's like they're embarrassed that they sample it you could, you could, you know, that's why i couldn't tell straight away it's like if you're gonna use an, an amazing pop hook really go for it and don't just hide it down guys you're paying the same amount of money you, you, <laughs> um but yeah i put i put down it's nice that paul got a co-white by himself in this one um but yeah mm -hmm. it's a typical like barbecue breezy kind of song it's, it's fine it's it's the one i hated the least out of the 10. <laughs> yeah it's pretty hard you categorize the one you hated the least not the one you like the most yeah. <laughs> it's because the whole time i'm thinking i can listen to the best of this club seven right now and having and have a better time that's why but yeah, so Fran, do you agree that S Club 7 are overrated? I mean, I think as Dave said earlier, I think that they fit just right. I mean, they were megastars for three to four years. Um, it's, it's a, I mean, I don't tend to hear the songs that often these days. It could be a bit sad. Maybe they deserve to be played more often. Um, I don't know if they are played in like, you know, many radio stations, probably other seem to notice it. Um, so it, still, it seems a bit sad that they're now just three people playing, you know, the Buttons 80s, or not 80s, but the Buttons reunion tour occasionally. You think they might have had a better end of their career. Most of these songs are terrible. Uh, <laughs> so if I'm going by this playlist, then, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're overrated. But um, I think they're sit, for me, they're sit right, because I know they've got some great tunes. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think what Sophie said at the beginning of their rated, uh, I think is what sits with me because whether it is the greatest hits of S Club 7 or this one, I, I love, honestly, I loved it. I had a great time uh, listening to this playlist. So thank you, Sophie. I don't know if that's what you intended, but yeah, loved it. <laughs> um, but I I think despite their songs, you know, going all over the place genre-wise, they do sound of their time and, you know, I, I think they're very enjoyable. If they'd been, you know, a massive band for years and years and years, I, I would think that they're overrated. But I I think um I think they're I think they're rated and you know, 
I would like to see them do a sort of big reunion type thing, but I just I just don't think it's going to happen because there's too much bad blood. Like I I would enjoy every now and again them them coming back, but um, yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. Over underrated. Sous évalué. You made it to the end of part one. Thanks for sticking with us. So were you surprised as well that someone who's dedicated part of their career to analysing S Club 7 in great detail going to go slowly insane and probably get sick of quite a few songs? In any case, I personally really enjoyed going down memory lane. I hope that Fran has now gone to listen to his best of S Club 7 CD. Coming up now, we're talking Liberty X, aka Flop Stars. What does that mean? Find out. Have a listen. Underrated. Okay, so moving on to your underrated pick, Sophie. Who have you picked and why? Yeah, my underrated choice is Liberty X. So it's another mixed gender group like S Club 7 from around the same time made up of the five people who were on pop stars but didn't get into the band Hearsay and they didn't really miss out because they ended up being more successful than Hearsay um, and they were probably looking back on it and thinking oh I'm glad we didn't make it into Hearsay in the end but I think they're very underrated they had three albums they're mainly remembered for one song I feel which is a very good song but they did have a lot of other hit singles as well that people don't necessarily remember so much now. Um, And I think people, even though they didn't last very long, I think people still remember Hearsay a bit more just because they were the winners of the show. Their name was everywhere for a while. Um, But yeah, I was was quite surprised because I was on Hearsay's Wikipedia the other day and because I was so young at the time, I didn't really know about anything that was going on in the media with them and so I'd completely forgotten that Kim Marsh like left the band at one point um, and that they eventually broke up because they said of like they were getting so much abuse from the public they decided to break up. Uh, That surprised me because I was a child at the time so I knew about them from the TV show, I had their album and then they just sort of disappeared. I didn't realise there was all this kind of vitriol towards them for a year or two until they eventually broke up i was quite surprised yeah um, i think was it nick um the guy who was the the showrunner he fat shamed kim on the program yeah. and that was like that stuck and that's, she is no way at all fat in any way whatsoever <laughs> um but yeah it's weird because i'm old enough to remember um the hearsay story but they did break up at the same time as the record sales were going nowhere as well. So I think it must have been a bit of both at the same time. Because obviously they did predate Twitter, didn't they? It was before social media. Yeah. And I read something about they they had a they organized a tour and a few dates sold really well. So they released some more dates and they didn't sell very well at all. So that was kind of a bad sign. Um yeah and ironically, you know, Liberty X were the other five people and I think they seem like more of a band. I don't know why a lot of them weren't chosen for the original band. I actually watched a bit of Pop Stars on YouTube last night to remind myself of it. And it's funny how low key it is. It's kind of almost like a documentary compared to, you know, obviously Pop Idol came afterwards and it had that live element and the public could vote. But on Pop Stars, it was the final episode where they're all being told in their living rooms whether they're in the band or not. And it just feels so personal and weird. 
and then they're talking about like solicitors and stuff it's very kind of technical and weird it's just yeah and there was the thing about kim had two children she hadn't told anyone and i've got no memory of that happening but it came up in the finale they suddenly found out kim had two children um but yeah i don't know why they didn't choose kelly and kevin in particular because i think they were possibly the best singers out of all 10 of them it was some strange choices in the episode i watched they even said something like Suzanne has had a sore throat for the entire series and I was like why is she in the band then like that would not happen now if someone had a sore throat they wouldn't make it to the final and get chosen it's bizarre yeah because I guess out of that hearsay lineup mining class is anyone who sort of has like quite critical musical ability like she can play the piano and sing really well but yeah I have no idea how is it Noel and Danny was it Daniel? I can't remember oh, what name. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, how, like how they got 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 into a pop band over over Kevin. It's really yeah. Yeah, and most of them are acting now. Weirdly, apart from Danny's doing a bit of singing, but all the rest of them are pretty much actors now. Which seems like maybe their heart wasn't in it from the start in terms of the singing aspect of it. But I I remember I I think pop stars was like like the, my peak pop loving powers. I was obsessed with it obsessed i remember the the scene of them breaking the news to everyone i ha- i haven't seen it again but if it's on youtube i'll definitely check it out because it was heartbreaking you know because i if i remember it they would alternate so they'd go to someone and be like you're in and they'd be like yay and then yeah. go to someone else and be, oh no and it was just like it really um yeah michelle starts like crying and is like i don't know if i can go through this whole thing again mm. it's really tough to watch i don't think that will be done now <laughs> But you know, she worked out there in the end. She yeah. did better than the others. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, and actually, it looks like they're still together, which I didn't realize. I think it's just the women now, uh, not Kevin or Tony. Kevin, who is now the lead singer of Wet Wet Wet. Did you know this? I only found out now. He replaced Marty Pello, which I'm like, that's that's a kind of uh, wild card. But I think Tony uh, has become an actor and a and a TV presenter. But um, but yeah, I'm really glad that you picked Liberty X because I, I agree with you. They were a much better band than Hearsay. I think Hearsay, that Pure and Simple was everywhere, everywhere, all the time. So it's funny that you mentioned the vitriol because I wonder if there was a bit of vitriol just because it, they were so big, like it was it was so much in the media. And um, I, I feel like, so I was still living in the UK when when Popstars was, was going on, but then I, I moved away and moved to Luxembourg. And I remember like the people, like my kind of new classmates taking the piss out of Pure and Simple. They're like, oh, that really shit song. And I was like, oh, this is not, I've just been in the UK where like everyone my age loves it. Clearly you have a bit of distance and you haven't been in the whole pop stars world because it really was very um, like all encompassing. And I bought the the VHS tape that came out like <laughs> to, to my shame. Um, but yeah, I think from, from your playlist, I knew about four of the songs and, um, I really enjoyed getting to know them a bit more. I guess like at the time it was a shock that the, uh, the runners up became bigger, but if you look at most of X Factor, that's continued, doesn't it really? Most of the bigger mm-hmm. ones didn't actually win the show, like One Direction, JLS and like James Arthur. Was it James Arthur winner? I think he did. So it does seem to be a theme that we get bored of the winner and we kind of you know, like the underdog a lot more. And I guess they were the first band who sort of like started that. And I, I did some research today that um, they had to release their first single 
on white label. Yeah. So that and then that became a hit. So they could prove that they could actually do it because they wanted to shed the whole flop stars thing. They wanted to mm-hmm. prove they could do music before they got signed. Yeah, I, yeah, I read that they were being called flop stars, which you know they should have been given more of a chance. But obviously, it didn't matter in the end. But it's a shame they had to release their first single in that way, where it was kind of like anonymous <laughs> to prove that it, they could do it. I think um, Cliff Richard did it once as well. He did like a, about twenty years ago. Cliff Richard um, sent a song to Radio One, and he got played on on the R and B show. And then, he announced it is his song. Because he knew that there was no way in hell that Cliff Richard would ever be played in Radio 1 unless he did it anonymously. It's quite interesting. Wow. It would be very different if we had no faces on, on the uh, covers, I reckon. Oh, absolutely. Because, yeah, I think a lot of the time as well, why people are chosen for winners uh, on a show, it's not because they're the best artists. Like, famously, Gareth Gates and Will Young. Gareth Gates was doing well. He was going to be the winner. But then Will Young stood up to Simon Cowell and everyone's like, that's right, Will. And that's why he won whatever it was, Pop Idol or, or, or whatever it is. And yeah, very often it's, you know, the backstories and, and everything like that that make it. And yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, Sophie, I, I couldn't remember about the whole Kim having two kids and it being a secret, but maybe, you know, this was still the early 2000s and maybe being a single mother was a bit of a taboo thing. Um, yeah, that's why she said she kept it a secret because she thought it would affect her in the competition. Yeah, And then the word solicitor got brought up again nasty nigel was like i've just had a call from your solicitor and he's revealed something about you (laughs) i I don't know why solicitors were being brought up so much in the finale but it was clearly a big deal so so we dive into some liberty x yeah so starting with the big song just a little uh this was their, their third single from the first album and it was their first number one and then it ended up winning a brit award it was in the top 10 best-selling singles in the UK of the year. It was just huge. And it was also the first single they released as Liberty X because there was a whole thing where they were previously called Liberty and there was a legal battle because there was already a band called Liberty. So it was kind of like, when we're here, we're Liberty X, we're sort of sexy and cool now. We've got a music video where we're all wearing like black PVC and dancing around with canes it just i remember it having a very big impact on the at the time with i guess it was popular with adults and with younger children who had watched pop stars and there was something that felt quite sort of cool and edgy about it and they kind of struck that balance quite well yeah i i love this song it's it's a classic it's a banger but the music video from the beginning made me laugh because it just <laughs> feels like such a weird contrast with the pvc and the canes and i guess Actually, I thought it was their first song. I didn't realize it was their third, but yeah, I guess it was their, their first big one. It just, the chemistry between them and the backup dancers who they're doing the canes with, it just felt very fake and very uncomfortable. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I I think I, I only probably started enjoying the song when I wasn't watching it with the video. <laughs> yeah, and they're like trying to get a diamond. It looks like they're in an escape room because it looks a bit, the backdrop is a bit cheap and they're getting a sort of fake looking diamond at the end and going through lasers, like a matrix escape room. Yeah, it kind of feels like they want to go Mission Impossible, but haven't got any budget. So it's like, it's just <laughs> yeah. a mission. Um, ladies, I have to point out that it's not PVC, it's actually rubber. So it's oh, okay. That's what I mean. Thanks, like, got ground very, here. Very important <laughs> distinction. <laughs> And they had hidden zips so they could go to the toilet, I found out today. 
I mean, I, I go, I go, I go hard on my research. I have actually bought the rubber costume as well. So, I mean, I guess you have. Are you going to do the dance afterwards for us? Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the problem with this is that it's just been played far too much. Unfortunately, like it's it became their only song that ever get played in the radio, which I think is unfair because, as we all talk about, mm-hmm. they've got many, many fantastic singles. Um, interesting enough, apparently Anastasia was supposed to record this. And I, and I can really hear that, but yeah. um, mm. apparently Richard Branson put his, his yeah. money down and made sure that they, they, that they won the battle and they got the song and it worked. The stories are always so interesting when it's like it was meant to go to this person and then it went to that person. And yeah, sometimes uh, yeah, you can really see that someone's career really got fucked up by not being able to record that song that was promised to them. She was everywhere, Anastasia, wasn't she, in, in like the early noughties. Mm. I, I quite like, as as a girl who wore glasses in the age of eight, I was like, all right, she can sing, but she wears glasses as well. I quite liked her for that, basically. Um, so the second song, uh, I did I did know this song and I had forgotten it. And yeah, I really enjoyed it as well, thinking it over. Yeah, this was the first single, the one they sent out to all the radio stations for the kind of blank cover. Um, yeah, I, I really like it. I think it's... It's got a bit of a sort of UK garage feel, maybe a bit sort of R&B. I noticed that um, Kelly and Tony are credited as writers on it as well. So that's quite cool from the beginning that they were a bit different from. I mean, I haven't actually looked up Hearsay's songwriting details, but I'm guessing they weren't writing their own songs. Um, I just yeah, I just really like this song. I like the back and forth between the girls and the boys. I think Kevin sounds really good in particular. I had no idea he was on The Voice until about a day ago. It's not something I watch and I don't think The Voice is really in the news a lot, is it? It's just sort of there. Um, But yeah, it makes sense because he's got a really strong voice that I think comes through in this song in particular. I um, I, I was a fan from the start of this song. I I thought it had a great hook. It's got great harmonies and you can instantly see that they're were a far better band, just visually and audibly, than, than Hearsay. It's like they didn't seem to look like a band, like a pop band. It's funny you mentioned uh, Kevin in, in The Voice, because, like, you know, some people have, like, a to-go-to thing that makes them cry. For some odd reason, if I see Kevin's audition in The Voice, <laughs> I will cry the entire time, and I have Aww. no <laughs> idea why. It's like kryptonite. I watched it the other day. It's it's when um Will I Am leaves it till the very last moment to turn around and he does it at the end of the song and it's like he knew what he was doing, he was like waiting till the end. Anyway, anyway, um, Babs, uh, are we a big fan of Thinking Over? Yeah, I love Thinking Over. Um, I think it was on one of the Nows. I think that's that's how I discovered it. I feel like I discovered it after the fact, maybe because by that point I'd moved to Luxembourg and I was a bit out of sync with what was going on, kind of in the UK pop charts until just a little came out because that was a a smash everywhere. And yeah, I, with a lot of actually kind of this song and S Club songs as well, I I didn't realize the garage elements were there at the time. And I was like, oh yeah, again, they knew what they were doing. Like they're, they're, they're jumping on the the bandwagon that's popular. And I I really like them. So yeah, I'm surprised Fran that you like it because you normally don't like UK garage stuff that much. But it's more, I think it's poppy enough. Like it's got some great hooks in it. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's not as garage as like you know the Artful Dodger, for example. I think having five people with, with the harmonies kind of works for me. So yeah, I mean you know if it's a good song, it's a good song, guys. So your next pick, Sophie. Yeah, the next one is uh, "Got to Have Your Love," another single from the first album. I didn't realize this was a cover, but apparently it's a cover. <laughs> uh, Kelly sounds amazing. I think 
the video is a little bit cringe because the girls are in tiny bikinis and the guys are fully dressed. Today and I was like, wow, it really is kind of the, the gender disparity there. Yeah. The guys have got massive baggy trousers on and stuff, and the girls are in absolutely tiny bikinis. Um, I, I really like the song though. It's uh, again just a really strong single, you know, all coming from one album. I think it's just really impressive. It, um, it definitely sort of like started that sort of electro funk sound, but it's the band kind of um, used a lot. I think it's Mantronics for the original um, um, artist who did it beforehand. Yeah. What I've noticed is I think. This was a this is the first sort of pop music I remember being in nightclubs. Like you wouldn't hear S Club Seven or Girls Aloud really in a nightclub, but Liberty X kind of made a crossover to an, more of an adult audience, and people were dancing to us in clubs. So I think it's quite important for, for them. So yeah, I, 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 mm. I loved it, and I think um, that video was their idea because they wanted to go somewhere amazing. So they said, "Oh, we want to go to Barbados for a week." So I don't know whose idea with the bikinis, but I know they wanted to go to Barbados. <laughs> Yeah, I'd completely forgotten that they did this song. Um, yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's not it's not really reinventing the wheel of of, of the original. I, I don't think it's adding too much of a of a spin, uh, but it's still very enjoyable. But yeah, the video, my god, like what is what are the boys wearing as well? Because it's just it's it's very bizarre. It feels very kind of fashion of the time with the tank tops. Yeah, one of them's got um, octopus trousers yeah. on with all the bits of material coming off of the time. In hot country, guys, those jeans they stick to your hair, hairs on your legs. So you, <laughs> it all makes sense to me, you know. I also uh, have a pair of, of the octopus uh, trousers. Um, so moving <laughs> on to track four, is it now? Yeah, th- there were two other singles from the first album, but I don't really like them as much. Um, so I went for an album track, uh, Wanting Me Tonight. Um, I just think it's quite a strong album overall, and there's quite a lot of songs that I think could have been singles potentially um i can't remember anything specific about this one now but i just thought i preferred to the other two songs that were singles were holding on for you which is a ballad that i'm not that keen on and then another single called doing it which i think i just don't like the phrase doing it it's a bit cringe i think that's a second single doing it but yeah mm-hmm. perhaps you're a fan uh, I'm a huge fan. I I thought it was very funky and on a level with uh, with thinking it over. So this this was the first song, Sophie. I was telling you that hardly any. I think only about four of the ten songs that you put on the playlist were on Belgian Spotify. So I went on YouTube for this one. I couldn't even find a studio version on YouTube. <laughs> I had to watch oh, them right. do uh, them performing it live at the uh, Blue Peter Summer Roadshow. <laughs> before before <laughs> I remember that I have a VPN and then I I put the VPN on UK and then. Then I got to it, but I was just like, that's quite random. You know, that was uh, very, very funny to watch that. But yeah, I loved it and I'll, I'll definitely be listening to it again. It's co-written by the band. I think that's one of the main reasons why they were careful with what label they went with, because they wanted to write the songs. And I think if you look for, at the um, Wikipedia, I think more than half of the songs on, on each album was co-written by the band, which is quite interesting, especially back then. So obviously they're going to make money, which helps a little bit. And have some um, you know some control over their career, which like I guess hearsay didn't really have. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's got a, it's got a, a great bridge, pretty decent chorus. Um, it's not one of their best tracks, but yeah, it's a decent try. So yeah, and now we're moving on to the next album for the next one. This is uh, Being Nobody. 
and yeah this was their first single post album number one it's a mashup of ain't nobody by chaka khan and being boiled by the human league and it was produced by richard x who also produced things like the sugar babes freak like me and i think it seems to have a similar feel to it it feels a little bit more sort of edgy than the first album which seemed a bit more kind of sleek and polished i think and the video is very cool as well they're in a sort of grungy looking lab making clones of themselves so maybe that's a bit of a pop stars comment as well it's just i just i love this song i think this is one of my favorites perhaps i bet you love this i love this yeah i love this and i this was one of the songs that i knew on the album and i I remember it coming out at the time and yeah it's funny because i was like oh yeah it does remind me of freak like me and then i was like oh it is the same man who also i associate him with khalees as well because i think he did one or maybe more songs and yeah i i went and looked him up he's he's an interesting one because he he's he was saying that he's very particular about the songs that he picked and he says you know like sometimes people forget this is about art so i think it's quite interesting actually that he, you know, he has no problem going with kind of more manufactured pop stars, kind of as long as the song is is good. And I had not realised because I, I only discovered being boiled by the Human League a few years ago. I did not hear it at all <laughs> until I, I I read it and I was like, oh, that's what, what it's matching up with. I thought it was just kind of a a cover or a sample, but yeah, I I love the dirty bass, the synths, the harmonies. It's it's brilliant. One of the first times that I mentioned X, which I think to do again throughout the career I'm um, going forward. Um, With Richard yeah. X as well, you know. Yes, yeah. Richard, Richard I got an album for X, I got a song for X, I love, bloody love X's. Yeah, I, I still think I prefer the Sugar Baby Freaks like me or Freaks like you um, to this, but yeah, it was a great time of my life when everyone would make mashups constantly. And, mashup. and I was DJing around that time mm-hmm. and I used, to, you know, I used to love all the mashups that everyone um, brought out around that time. So it was very nostalgic. I completely forgot about a song. And I thought, yeah, why is this not being played? This is a great song. You hear, you hear like the Sugar Babes all the time, but why is no one playing this? This is bizarre. But yeah, um, again, I uh, loved it. Yeah, I saw Richard X's album at the time was called The X Factor, which hasn't <laughs> aged very well. Or it's deliberately very tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> So I think there's two more from the from the Being Somebody album. Yeah, we've got uh, Jump In, the next single. A, a bit more of a conventional sound than Being Nobody, but I think it's very catchy. Apparently they um, this was very popular on their tour before they released it. It was a sort of fan favourite, and yeah, you can picture everyone jumping around. Um, yeah, just very catchy. Yeah, I think because it's Jump In with, with the apostrophe, I immediately thought, is it going to be like Jumpin' Jumpin' by by Destiny's Child? But yeah, no, it's not at all. Um, There's some more kind of acoustic-y flamenco guitar, like thinking it over. This one, I think, was was one of my least favourites, actually. I, I really like their voices and, and their harmonies. And yeah, I think I hadn't really thought about how Kelly and Kevin really are the best singers by by a mile. And the and the production values, I, I feel like every song on this playlist is, is phenomenal. So I can appreciate it for that. But this one just didn't click with me uh, as much as the others. It's very that that sort of like guitar strum of that is very much sort of that era, um, sort of like funky sort of guitar thing. Why do so many bands drop the G in songs? What is it with the G they hate? Ooh, it's cool, man. Is it it's cool to not, you know, like uh, I I think it's that thing. It, it is trying to be down with the kids, no? It's it yeah. It's I mean yeah. It's funky. It, it, <laughs> it goes on with, with the brand, um, but it's not one of the best. Over underrated. Sous-évalué. Uber Over underrated. 
the next one is Everybody Cries. This was the last single from this second album. It's a ballad and they've talked about how it was a bit of a risk at the time, they thought, and they didn't necessarily agree with it being a single at this point. And yeah, it did result in them getting dropped by their record label because it didn't do very well. But I, I like it. I, I think, you know, I like a ballad every now and again. I think when the sort of strings come in, it's a bit like a sort of Bond theme towards the end. Um, yeah, I quite like this one. I prefer it to their other ballad on the first album, the um, Holding On For You. I think this is superior to that. Um, in the video, they're sort of walking along railway tracks and it made me laugh on Wikipedia. It says um, the video proved controversial and received criticism from the Rail Safety and Standards Board. This fair proved unfounded. <laughs> So just a load of fuss over nothing. Maybe that was even part of the uh, the backlash against this song. Oh, They're so promoting <laughs> walking along railway tracks. How dare they? For me, I think I can see why it was a risk because after you have like being nobody and jumping, it kind of like a cool sort of track. It does feel like a sort of like a step down, and um, this could be maybe an S Club Seven ballad. You wouldn't really associate it with the coolness of of Liberty X, so maybe that's why I thought it was a bit of a risk. It's it's fine, but yeah, I I don't think I even remember this ever coming out. Yeah, I I wrote that I re I feel like I remember the video, but not the song, which is uh, really strange. And I I from the title, I was like, oh god, is this going to be a, a terrible ballad? There are definitely worse ballads. I I didn't really connect to it, but I thought it would be good for Eurovision or a James Bond theme. It does go a bit James Bondy. Like it takes directions that you're not expecting, uh, you know, from your vision. Yeah, I like the way it builds. I think that it doesn't feel samey throughout the song. Yeah, I quite like it. Definitely. And it was co-written by this woman who I'd never heard of before, Hannah Robinson, who's co-written Born to Die by Lana Del Rey, My Delirium, Fran, which we discussed on a previous episode, Ladyhawk, and Chewing Gum by Annie, which are all absolute bangers. And I'm like, how have I never heard of this woman? Uh, and clearly she has range because um, those are all quite different songs. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm in, I'm intrigued to find out more. So, yeah. If you know Hannah Robinson, or if you are Hannah Robinson, oh, oh, get in touch. Get in touch. Congratulations, <laughs> Hannah. Like you've written some great stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah. De I, I, I definitely think it's like it's not your average ballad, but it's still a ballad. And I think I probably like about one ballad out of every ten. So, <laughs> <laughs> I like I like a ballad. Yeah, you like a ballad. <laughs> so moving on to the third and last album, X. Yeah, this is when they've been sadly dropped from their record label and they've joined another one. And this song is called X and in the video it is absolutely terrible. You can tell they've joined another record label because they've got no money. It's one of the worst music videos I've ever seen. Look it up if you haven't watched it. I actually it. haven't watched it. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued I now. Look it up. It just looks so cheap. It's really bad. Um, but I quite like the song. I think it deserved better. It only got to number 27. Um, it's not their best song, um, but I, I quite like it and I, you know, I can hear it in my head now. I can remember the lyrics and everything. I think it's, um, yeah, I think it deserved better. Apparently this video cost £4,750 and the video for... I don't know what they spent. The video for Got To Have Your Love was 200000 That's how, how much it changed <laughs> in those two years. Yeah. Yeah, this, this song reminded me a bit of Blackout Era Britney which came after this. Uh, so it did sound quite innovative, but yeah, again, I think with, with this song and, and a few of the others, it's like, oh, I can appreciate it on its own merit, but 
I didn't really connect to it and I don't know why uh really but yeah Fran what did you think I think it's a bit overproduced they seem to be adding lots of sounds which I don't think they need maybe because it was um a new album they wanted to try lots of things and they couldn't work out what directions to take I also think this is also um written by the band is it is it um is Tony is that the main guy that's one of the guys yeah yeah I I think he was behind um a lot of the third album I think he's the most um creative uh, regarding um writing music but yeah i i yeah i never remember remember this whatsoever and mm. on to the next one <laughs> the next one is shotgun this is an album track i do think the third album is the weakest one but i, I still think it's pretty it's pretty decent and i quite like this one as an album track um I think it, it's got a load of trumpets in the background. I'm not very musical. I'm not very good at picking up on what musical instruments are, um, but I quite like the. Um, I quite like how this one had been produced. So when when it started, uh, I, I experienced all emotions with the song because it started. Then it launches into the the female voices, and I was like, oh no, maybe maybe I don't like this. But then the sort of sound of the underground guitar and then the surf guitar come in, and I was like, hang on, maybe I'm on board and. Basically, I had to listen to it several times to decide whether I liked it because there was a lot going on. And my conclusion, yes, I do like it. But you say it's an album track. I think it makes sense. Like, I, I don't think this could have been a single. Uh, but yeah, I thought for a pop album track, it was pretty good. Uh, I think it felt a bit messy. Uh, again, they're throwing too much at it. And uh, I get the feeling that this album was that kind of way. Like, they didn't really know what to do. They knew they had mm-hmm. one strong song, which we'll get to in that soon. And then the rest is like, oh, what direction are we going to go? Um, so, yeah, it, it wasn't for me. But um, looking at Ab's um, face there, we may have to have <laughs> an argument in a minute. Let's find out. Safe with the last track. Yeah, it's it's a strange one because it feels very different from anything else they've done. It's Song for Lovers featuring Run of Run DMC. Uh, and it was the last big hit really uh, apparently they recorded it with their previous record label and they didn't want them to release it for some reason they weren't really keen on it and then they just went with it when they were with the other record label they let them do it and it reached number five so clearly it, it hit, struck a chord um but yeah it's it's very odd it's got a sort of gospel feel to it with run rapping the verses in the video they're in a sort of church with a choir um, a bit cheesy in the video there's a whole thing about a baby being born which is a bit much I think because I'm a sort of TV person I like having the videos to go with the songs I think um, but yeah I, I like it it's different from their other stuff it's not my favourite song they've done but I, I quite like it um, I really liked this song I'm sorry guys I was surprised that it was run for one team I had to look up who was, the, who was rapping on it but yeah, again, this is written by um, Tony. This is his, his, and he even produced it as well. So I'm surprised that since Liberty X have stopped, he hasn't done anything to do with music because he was like the shining light for a lot of the music. Yeah, he bizarrely. seems to run a production. He seems to run a production company. I'm not sure. So, but I think it may, might be mainly sort of video and that sort of thing. So he seems to be doing well for himself. But yeah, he doesn't really seem to do songwriting anymore. Yeah, do you remember um, Coolio? I'll speak when you get the scene. Yeah, this reminds me of that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, I'm going to be controversial and declare this as their third best song on the playlist. Ooh. And I thank you, Sophie, because I have not thought about this for 15 years. <laughs> so thank you very much. Babs, hurt my feelings. 
I'm afraid that's what I'm going to do, Fran. Um, I think this was my least favorite song of all 20 that, that you put forward. I, you know, as I said, I don't really like a ballad. Again, as with all the ballads on the two playlists, even the ones I didn't like, there were definitely worse ones. But I was just confused. I didn't know what what Rev Run from Run DMC was doing there. I didn't really like the gospel vibes. I don't like, you know, I'd much prefer Gangster's Paradise, Coolio, to I'll See You When You Get There, Coolio. Yeah, I'm afraid. (laughs) I am mega cool it did it didn't do it for me but you know there we go one song eliciting two very different opinions in people yeah it is very different from every other song on the playlist so it could go either way really i'm sort of in the middle on it it's not one of my absolute favorites but i don't think it's near the bottom either it's sort of in the middle for me i'm surprised it was top five that passing yeah. by I'm surprised that I'd never heard of it either. But yeah, I uh, I thank you, Sophie, because I I really I really enjoyed this playlist as well. Um, and I definitely saved a couple of songs that I'd never heard of before, and and will and will definitely revisit them. Yeah, I'd forgotten about thinking it over, and I'm listening to it a lot now on repeat. So are we um, all going to say that they are underrated? I, I definitely am. Like. Um, I went to look at their their Spotify statistics because you know I love doing that, and they've got two hundred twenty four thousand monthly listeners, which is not bad for a band that hasn't released anything in uh, in a while. So they definitely have a following. But I definitely knew three of the songs on this playlist, and there were definitely two or three more that I I should have known, and and they should have been bigger. Yep. So guys, Liberty X. We are, they are underrated. Give them another try, guys. Give them another try. <laughs> but not if you're in Belgium, because <laughs> you won't be able to access their music. Buy them on CD. Get a VPN. That's uh, that's my advice. We do not uh, condone piracy. Um, <laughs> so, Sophie, thank you for being on our podcast. And where can our audience find you? Uh, so on Twitter, I'm at It's Sophie Davis. Um, and my podcast is It's an S Pod Thing. Uh, you can find that on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Brilliant. I really highly recommend uh, It's an S Pod Thing. Big fan. And I think, yeah, if you were remotely a fan of S Club in that time, it's it's very fun and nostalgic. And even if you're not, it is it is very fun to listen to a podcast that really discusses discusses a TV show in such minute detail that's about essentially nothing. It's uh, it's it's really entertaining, and I think yeah, the fact that you have kind of especially sort of comedians and other other creative people on giving their opinion uh, is is really fun mm-hmm. too. Thank you, Sophie, for coming on. I hope you enjoyed this mixed gender pop groups episode. I was trying to think of a better title for this episode, but I haven't found it yet. So if you're listening to this, I haven't thought of one and Fran can't edit it out. <laughs> no, thanks for thanks for inviting me on. It's, it was nice to listen to S Club's music rather than concentrating on the TV show. I feel like I've got the whole spectrum now. <laughs> Analyzed everything. And uh, thank you for listening, guys. And we will see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode. Um, We hope you enjoyed this trip down memory lane. And one of us might be guesting on Sophie's podcast, It's an S-Pod Thing, coming up soon. So do look out for that. Obviously, we will be promoting it on all our social medias. 
What is our social medias, you ask? Well, we are on Twitter. It's at OU Music Pod. We are on Instagram at Over Underrated Music Pod. And you can even email us over underrated music pod at gmail.com. We accept gifts, compliments and suggestions for future topics. We are almost halfway through our second season. We're going to start recording our third season soon. So really don't hesitate to get in touch. Like and subscribe. Ciao.